Welcome to the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. We are women helping women to read their Bibles in the Dayton region and beyond. In order to equip our sisters to dig into scripture, we have started an initiative called At Home in the Word. This podcast series is one of multiple resources created by our team to help you increase your confidence in your own personal study of God's Word. On this season of the podcast, we will be focusing on the overall meta-narrative of Scripture and the specific genres of Scripture. So grab your Bible and a notebook and listen in. Blog submissions for June are due May 1st and will be focusing on the book of John. For more information, visit DaytonWomenInTheWord.com slash blog submissions. Registration for summer study is ongoing. Please visit our website at DaytonWomenInTheWord.com slash mark for all of the details and to register. Welcome back to the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. My name is Jillian, and I'm sitting here (laughs) with our other host, Bethany. Hey, Bethany. Hi. So we are talking all about the epistles this morning with Bethany. Uh, But before we get started, Bethany, will you just give a heads up to our listener who might be new around here about kind of who you are and what God has you up to right now? So my name is Bethany Sibbett, and normally when I'm in the studio, I'm in Jillian's role. Um, I am, The tables have turned. I know. It's so weird to be back in this chair. Um, I am the podcast um, coordinator for Dayton Women in the Word um, for the past year-ish. Um, so normally I'm the one asking the questions when I'm in here. It's been a while since I've been the one being asked the questions, so it's fun to be back. I... Um, am an assistant professor at a local school of pharmacy and I work as a pharmacist obviously and right now um, the Lord has kind of grown my sphere of influence to be able to kind of mentor some girls at school leading them through studying scripture which is really cool Um, and we're actually studying one of the epistles right now so it's neat to kind of um, start studying that as I prepared for the session today. I can't wait to hear more about that uh, in a little bit. I'm studying an epistle as well. <laughs> so God really uh, primed us <laughs> well for this episode. Um, so describe the epistles for us. Maybe t- talk a little <laughs> bit about the word epistle. <laughs> to begin Just so we are kind of on the same page with our listener about what we mean. So... Um, generally speaking, like a real pared down definition of epistles are what we think of like the letters. So um, for anybody who's like spent a little bit of time in the New Testament, um, kind of once you get through the Gospels, you start kind of reading about these letters to certain people or groups of people or churches. Um, 
usually written by one person and then they're sent to these um, recipients. So it's like, you know, when you get a letter in the mail from, you know, grandma for, you know, or your Christmas circular letter, if anybody still gets those from your family members. (laughs) Um, So kind of broadly, we think of them as letters. Um, One thing that I realized when I was preparing for this is that there actually is a slight difference between um, the true definition of epistle versus letter. So epistles Mm -hmm. were generally meant for public consumption. So they were written purposefully for like a public reading or, you know, um, walking through of whatever the contents were. And then letters are more what we would think of being addressed to a a particular like small group of people. So Mm -hmm. we call them we call them all epistles or all letters, but there is a slight difference between those two terms, which I didn't know before preparing for this. So, yeah, that's new. That's news to me as well. So they, um, in most cases, are used synonymously, mm-hmm. but but there really is a little bit of a distinction in there. So, can you tell us what books are included in this genre um, in the Bible? So. Um, this was another thing that, you know, I I graciously, thankfully have grown up in the church, so I'm not unfamiliar with the epistles, but kind of sitting down and actually looking at, you know, what are the epistles and, you know, who are they, who wrote them? Um, I was really kind of surprised by just the vast number of epistles when mm-hmm. you sit down and look at them. So um, we'll kind of get into this a little bit later about who who wrote what, if we know mm. who wrote what. But the bulk of them um, are going to be written by Paul. So mm. your your well known letters like Romans, um, the two letters to the Corinthian church, First um, and Second Thessalonians, Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians, Colossians, Philemon, First um, and Second Timothy, and Titus are all written by Paul. So he was a busy guy, hmm. um, getting a lot of hand cramps probably. <laughs> um, he wrote a lot. Um, so those are what we would call the Pauline epistles, so hmm. ones that we know Paul wrote. And then um, the rest of them, um, from my studying, we kind of lumped together as the general epistle. So it's like hmm. either Paul wrote them or somebody else. A- <laughs> bunch of other people. So we have um, some letters written by Peter. Um, We have um, just kind of one-offs where it's just one letter written by an author who only, we only have one remaining letter. So there's James, um, there's the letters from John who also wrote Revelation. Um, Revelation is kind of unique because we would generally put it in the um, apocalyptic or prophetic writings, but technically it is also a letter. Um, and yeah, we, inside Revelation, there are seven yeah. mini letters right. within a big letter right. to the churches in the and, area. Yeah. yeah, and then we have everybody – oh, not don't want to forget about Jude. He's in there too. Um, <laughs> and then everybody's favorite mystery letter, Hebrews, that we don't know who wrote. But so those, those are all kind of lumped together as the general mm. epistles and then all the other ones by, that we know for sure were written by Paul. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. My first son is – has two epistle names, <laughs> Titus Jude. Anyway, um, so t- give us a heads up about like why would someone want to study these letters? They were written to someone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what what's in it for us when we open open it? So I think um, before you can kind of ask like what's in it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like our, our good friend Jen Wilkins, she always encourages us. We have to point back to why it was written mm. and that it's ultimately written to point back to God. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a quote that I came across um, from a book called Interpreting the Pauline Epistles um, from Thomas Schreiner. It says, if we misunderstand the genre of a text, the rest of our analysis will be askew. So mm-hmm. I think, um, under to your point, understanding how and why epistles are written, it better helps us interpret what's in them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I um, was reflecting on that I found really valuable in going through the um, 365 plan last year mm-hmm. is that... Um, when we got into the New Testament and started reading through Acts, instead of um, which the Acts kind of talks about the early church and how God's you know moving through a Spirit to really just like explode the gospel throughout um, the nations. And what I loved about the reading plan is that instead of going straight, you know, from Acts one all the way to the end of the book, it kind of jumped around. And as you were introduced to these new pockets of believers. Um, we would then read the epistle or the letter that Paul would write to that church. Um, So we have to remember that these epistles were either written to groups of people or churches, um, and they're going to address usually specific themes or things that are going on in those church, um, that church at that time. Mm -hmm. So um, if we're, if we're believers and these letters, especially are written to other groups of believers, Mm -hmm. it's a pretty easy assumption that, at least some of what's in there is going to apply today, maybe not directly because obviously culture and time has changed. But, you know, these letters were written to people who were shaping the early church. So our churches in 2019 are sure to benefit from Mm -hmm. what's covered in them as well. Yeah, what's really interesting is we don't always have the – problem stated in some of the epistles we do, because a lot of times the writer is um, addressing somewhat of a theological Mm -hmm. problem Mm -hmm. and or a problem going on in that church. Maybe it's a sin issue. Um, So we don't always know exactly what that is, Mm -hmm. but we know the answer they gave Mm -hmm. to that problem. So it takes some digging to figure out um, what is thought to be the the problem or the reason for writing yeah. if it's not necessarily a pro- like a problem but um but we kind of we kind of do a little bit of backwards work mm-hmm. if that makes sense by yeah. by looking at the answer that the the writer gives and looking at the time period to try to connect those two um together mm-hmm. so we can then <laughs> interpret from that point yeah yeah it's like um, in school, when you would have, you know, textbooks that have like your problems and then yeah. in the back of the book, it has the answers. And so obviously you're not supposed to skip to the back of the book. Right. You're supposed to work through it. We kind of can't help but already have the answers right. kind of laid out. Yeah. Um, but then we have to take on the ownership of to truly understand what's going on. We do that context work to yeah. find out. So um like, for example, in First Peter, the context is that, you know, Peter's writing to this group of believers that have been scattered abroad because mm-hmm. of persecution. Mm-hmm. And so when you understand, like, that mindset of where they're coming from, that they've been, you know, following this Jesus and his teachings and these apostles' writings, but they're undergoing all this persecution, the fact that he's, like, calling them to remember that they have a living hope and they have an inheritance, like... 
you know, that was already powerful in and of itself. But then to remember that these people were probably like very fearful and, you know, very scared and upset, like that just makes it that much more like three dimensional. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to steal your thunder a little bit because I know you've been spending a lot of time in (laughs) John's letters, but, um, the background, at least of First John, is this idea, um, this belief that had kind of started permeating called Gnosticism, yes. where there was this disbelief that anything like f- physical was bad. So obviously, you know, God coming down in human form was a problem for people mm-hmm. who believed that. And so as you read through First John, I thought it was interesting to kind of see him reference like, you know, what you've seen, what you've touched, like John, it's almost like John is like purposefully confronting the fact that it is important that we tasted and saw and Mm -hmm. felt Jesus with our senses. Mm -hmm. Like that is important. It's not something to discredit our belief or discard like Mm -hmm. you and you see those descriptions in his book where normally if you're just reading through first john it's like okay it's easy to gloss over but it's like you know maybe that was important because he was confronting this belief that what you could feel and what was tangible really wasn't couldn't be spiritual they can like coexist yeah they were very sort of dualistic in their thinking and so john challenges that by by bringing in all the senses and and i think for him being one of the people that we know was closest to jesus close Mm -hmm. enough that that jesus entrusted his mom (laughs) to him at at his death you know um uh, he's really pat. He he's really qualified to yeah. say mm-hmm. um, that Jesus was real and he was human and mm-hmm. um, yeah. So so you can when you know those things, you can put them all together, kind of yeah. like a puzzle mm-hmm. as you're going through. Um, so where do we see this style being used in scripture in in terms of the big story in in terms of the meta narrative? How do the epistles fit in to the the big one. <laughs> yeah. So I would say, I mean, if you're kind of looking at the meta t- meta narrative in the context of like creation, fall, redemption, restoration, um, I think that you can kind of see it in that redemption restoration piece because the epistles are now, you know, Christ has come. So he's fulfilled, you know, 98% of the end goal. You know, the end goal is to fix everything and Mm -hmm. usher in, you know, the new heaven and the new earth. So we're not quite there yet. So we're still in that in between. But the epistles are where we see um, God really exploding his his vision for reaching the world. Mm. Um, And I think that that is something that's so, so cool when you start to look down and see who um, who the epistles are written to. We have um, Paul, who wound up generally almost all of Paul's letters are written to Gentile believers. So that's mm. us. So there's three of us in this room, our friend Robin, who, you know, she's our <laughs> silent member in this room. Um, but the three of us were Gentiles. Yeah. Like if God hadn't ever originally planned to share his redemption with Gentiles, we would be out of luck. Mm. Like in that, that is the worst kind of out of luck place Mm -hmm. to be in. So we have this whole host of letters that were written to people 
where if we had lived back then, that would be us. Like Mm. we now have the opportunity to become believers. But then we have all of these general epistles. Now, all of them are written to um, Jews, but a lot of them are written to Jewish believers. So we can see that not only did God expand the plan to include Gentiles, but he also didn't turn his back on the people who turned his back, Mm -hmm. who turned their back on him. Mm -hmm. He is still pursuing um, the Jewish nation and a lot still encourages them to be, you know, come back, come home. Mm -hmm. And so we have a whole chunk of letters that are written to these Jewish believers who, you know, they have this history, the whole old Testament is their, their story. Mm -hmm. And now they have the opportunity and some of them, you know, came to faith in the true Messiah that they'd been waiting for. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, the epistles as a whole kind of are these big, pieces in God's redemptive story kind of being spread throughout the nation. Yeah. The Jews really kind of had to relearn their faith Mm -hmm. after Jesus Mm -hmm. came. And the book of Hebrews really is made for that Mm. purpose. And just like Bethany said, there's this uh, uh, chapter in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, I think it's called the hall of faith Mm -hmm. or something. And, uh, it goes through all the stories of God's people mm-hmm. throughout from the beginning, you know, um, up until this point and, and shows how this faith has mm-hmm. been since the beginning yeah. and uh, connects that to now. I can just see a Jewish person reading the book of Hebrews and having all these aha moments mm-hmm. of how this was God's plan all along. And um, it's cool that we get to experience that with them as we study the book of Hebrews. Yeah, Hebrews has always kind of been, like I have like a handful of books. Is it a favorite? No, well, (laughs) not. I don't know. Not up until like recently, but it's been one of the ones that like I would historically shy away from because like I knew that the, the depth was there. like Romans is the same way. Like it's yeah. so rich. It's almost like intimidating. Yes. Like, oh my word, how am I ever supposed to understand what's going on? Yeah. Hebrews was the same way because I used to also kind of avoid the Old Testament because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, the stereotypical like, uh, Deuteronomy, uh, Leviticus. But yeah. as the Lord has kind of changed my heart towards studying his word, the Old Testament, it, it just reading it, you just see like, okay, I get what the law was supposed to do. But it was just a picture. And so now um, I'm studying Hebrews with a group of girls. And the themes that you see over and over is that Jesus is better than fill in the blanks. Mm. And like right now, I think the chapters that we're going through are talking about how he's better than the Old Testament high priests. Mm. And you just think about how like... The, the Old Testament is so bloody because you have all of these different sacrifices for these different types of instances, and they had to be made daily, weekly, yearly, mm-hmm. um, and the priest had to not only make intercessions for all the people, but for himself too, because he was sinful. Mm-hmm. And then um, it's all of this repetition because it was never done, like mm-hmm. it was never enough. And then you fast forward, and Jesus comes, and... All of that goes away because he was the better high priest. Mm -hmm. And he not only did he fulfill all the prophecies that, um, you know, in another episode we talk about prophetic Mm -hmm. books, he fulfilled that. But more importantly, he fulfilled the law. And Mm -hmm. we don't have to keep making sacrifices anymore Mm -hmm. because he was finally not only the ultimate high priest who didn't, who only had to cover the sins of the people because he was sinless, but he's also the 
perfect sacrifice. Hmm. So he's the sacrifice and the priest hmm. all at the same time. Bethany, you're on fire this morning. <laughs> She's all hyped up. <laughs> but this is awesome because I love that big picture view of not only is Jesus better, but he fulfills and mm. fulfills these other genres, whole entire genres that yeah. we have been talking about this season. Um, so that kind of speaks to some of the nuances or purposes of this literary style. Bethany, would you have anything to add to um, that question of what what are some of the unique what's some of the unique purposes with these this genre? So I do think it's important to kind of know just some things that you might pick up as you go um, maybe from one epistle to another, Um, kind of like I love talking about the big picture, but then I'm also super detail-oriented, which I need to be in my job, Um, but just kind of things to remember going back to nuts and bolts. So if we're specifically just talking about a genre, um, and I think I really loved – the episode where we talked about narrative mm-hmm. and kind of revisiting those themes that way back in high school we we talked about in English class the different components of essays the same kind of rule sort of applies to the bulk of these epistles where a lot of times you'll have an opening and that's mm-hmm. where you're first clued into who the author is who the letter is addressed to um, and a greeting and usually a prayer so like First Peter, it opens with Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion, and I'm not going to say the city names because then I'll look <laughs> silly, um, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for the obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling of his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Hmm. So there's this like opening that kind of identifies who's writing it. And a lot of times, like, why they have the authority to write this letter. So in Paul's writings, you'll see him open with, you know, uh, servant of Jesus Christ. So he's he's telling his audience, like, I have the authority to be sharing what I have to share with you. Mm-hmm. Um, now, not every single one of these um, writings that we would classify as epistles have that, but in general, they do. Then there's a body which addresses um, those themes that we kind of mentioned. And then generally there's a closing. So sometimes there's a list of people that um, we kind of joke when I've studied um, different epistles with girlfriends that that it's like the, hey, say hi to so-and-so at the end. Um, And it, it can be easy just like the list of names in the Old Testament to kind of like skip through that, but those are important. Um, but there's usually like a, a closing. So it's like a letter that you would write to your friend. Mm-hmm. You know, you say, hey, it's me. You know, how's it going? And you address stuff and then you close. Um, another thing is that often there's um, a collection of styles that you might see in the epistles. So um, there... The, what we talked about, you had mentioned that often we have both the question and the answer format given in an epistle that's called a diatribe. Mm-hmm. So basically it's a teaching tone that anticipates questions and go goes ahead and includes responses. Like mm-hmm. Paul didn't have – he couldn't like text the church at Galatia <laughs> and say like, hey, Any what's questions? going on and wait for them to text him back. Like yeah. no, he had to basically, you know – from what's been what's going on that he knows and is aware of, he would kind of pose like, hey, you know, I think this is going on and then also respond in the same letter. So it's sort of like a one-sided dialogue. Um, there's also letters that they're they're basically grounded in exhortation or encouragement. So in Hebrews, we have a lot of 
encouragement, but that's also coupled with warnings. Like, mm-hmm. because you know X, Y, Z, if you don't live accordingly, this will be the result. So there's mm-hmm. like positive encouragement, but then also kind of like a challenge. Like, this, you know, the outcome here. Hmm. And then there's also some that are more like hymns and confessional statements. And then like you have James is kind of another book that's a little cross cross genre, if you will. So James is sort of like wisdom literature too. So it doesn't kind of fit the mold that you expect to see from some of the other epistles, mm. but it it's still in that genre. So James, my favorite book of the <laughs> New Testament. <laughs> You know why? Because it's such a kick in the pants. <laughs> I need it. I need it. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's really curious to get our mindset back in there because we don't write a lot of letters anymore. I mean, what's I mean? We write long text messages, and and you might like you mentioned the Christmas letter or an email update or something of that. But we do have ways that we write, and we we stick to those, and they're they're largely um, they fit within our culture of today. And so it's important to know, you know, what what they what rules they had for writing their letters as well. Um, but it has withstood. I mean, we when I learned in, I think, elementary school how to write a letter, it was pretty similar mm-hmm. to what we have mm-hmm. um, here, except for the rule breakers. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. John never mentions his name right. in uh, – in, the, in his letters, but he says to from the elder in second and third John. Um, but we know it's it's written in the same style and language as the rest of his letters from the Bible where he does identify himself. So um, I'm just thinking there would be emojis in there if we wrote them today. <laughs> uh, the one Jesus loved and then heart eyes or something like that. Um, but what are some challenges, do you think, when studying this style? Mm-hmm. Um, so one one I kind of already talked about is like really your, your, your study of these epistles are – Going, is going to go that much deeper when you take the time to understand the historical context. So I'm not going to, you know, re-go through that because we already talked about it in depth, but I do want to make sure that, you know, that's stressed as a key point. Mm-hmm. Um, two other things that I had written down. The first is um, to remember that they were written with specific people and situations in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that this is probably a thing, you know, a uh, an encouragement that's been repeated by um, several guests, but again, reminding yourself that context is key when you're mm-hmm. studying these passages. Um, so when you start with the epistles, um, you know we talk about the five W's: the who, what, where, why. Mm-hmm. Um, those questions don't just stop there. Like, give yourself the space to kind of go deeper with those context questions because it will really set you up well um, when you start to delve into the themes that are addressed in the later mm-hmm. chapters. Um, remembering that many aspects of life in the early church is much different than now. So we need to carefully approach scripture when taking these differences into account. So there are, you know, several concepts that are in the epistles that, you know, in the 21st century church can be a lot more um, contentious Mm -hmm. because we are reading it with 21st century eyes and they weren't written with 21st century Mm -hmm. hands. Mm -hmm. So just being cautious in how you kind of approach stuff that it might be easy to kind of bristle at because um, 
it's not quite what we understand. So understanding that cultural relevance, um, but remembering that we know that all scripture is God breathed Mm -hmm. and has value for us today as much as it did to the original Mm -hmm. hearers. And then um, just a reminder that people are important. So that closing where it's listing off like all of these people Mm -hmm. to say hello to or be um, wary of, um, that those are important. So those names that are included in the letters, they point to people who were active in their faith communities and that we can learn from both the good and the bad. So not everybody that's included in those um, wrap-up sections um, were the good guys. Mm. So some of them, Paul is you know, saying, hey, watch out for this person. He's been spreading lies. Um, but it's important to remember that those are real people. Mm-hmm. So they, um, they would have been important in that early church development mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, a gal that um, has served on our team before, Caitlin. Her daughter's names are Lois and Karis. And I always think about them because they are mentioned very briefly in the Bible, but Mm -hmm. have great big meaning Mm -hmm. as far as these women who were really um, faithful and were discipling mm-hmm. well and it it is a great example for us today mm-hmm. and it's you know every every name that's in there mm-hmm. is purposeful and so I love it I love those names and I always think um, I've learned more about about the character of God <laughs> when my friends name their kids um, important things in the Bible because it showcases something I wouldn't necessarily uh, have, have paid attention to when I'm zooming through. And that's um, where scripture. our the the tool of cross-referencing is helpful because yes. a lot of those names are actually mentioned in Acts when you mm. see the church getting formed. So you can kind of, not not everybody, but mm-hmm. sometimes you can go back and see like, oh, this is what these people oh, did. And that's, why, that's yes. why it's important that Paul's like reminding the people to check in with so-and-so because those yeah. were you know, elders and yeah. and the fact that Paul, who is this great theologian of his time, calls out female leaders mm. is really culturally Huge. relevant in yeah. Yeah. back back in that day. So yeah. you know I remember when I first read through Pride and Prejudice, it was like a Miss Bennett, a Miss Bennett, a Miss Bennett, a Miss Bennett. And I really did feel like I had to write them down because I did not I could not keep track and it was going it was important for the story, but I uh it went right over my head. And actually in studying I think third John, there's like three or four, it's a very short letter, but there are like three or four names. And when I actually slowed down and wrote the name and kind of the things associated with them, Mm. then it forced me to think about what John was actually trying to say with his letter. And so um, if you're feeling (laughs) misbenited as you're reading, um, one quick tip would just be... uh, just write it down and write down write down the idea with that name. And that's really been helpful for me, not just with the epistles, but with everything. Um, Bethany, do you have any tips um, when you're recommending uh, when people read through this style? Um, I think that, you know, I know we tend to encourage people to um, not jump straight to commentaries and things like that um, because we really encourage people to study scripture um, for itself. So using, um, you know, cross references and helping scripture Mm -hmm. interpret scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think one thing that, especially with these letters um, that you 
you don't necessarily get straight from scripture is that historical piece. Mm. So, you know, there's not really a place in the Bible that gives you an excerpt of this is Gnosticism. Right. And this is what's going on. So um, for the epistles, kind of understanding, like if you come across anything that you're like, this seems really strange yeah. that it's like, you know, that this letter is like okay with this practice, but it seems like, like, does this really fit with yeah. what I know about God to take that work and like under, you know, take that step in understanding the historical mm-hmm. context. So like... I remember I know First Peter is one of the the sections that talks about submission, which can be like really Touchy. uncomfortable. Yeah. And then you kind of read, learn more that it, it's really talking about submission in the context of a non-believing spouse and a believing spouse. Mm. So it's not this like man versus woman discussion that yeah. the narrative can kind of head towards. Yeah. Um, but understanding that it that particular section was written in the context of unbelieving and believing and how to submit if you're in a union like that. So I think, you know, it really does a disservice to scripture when we try to interpret it without understanding kind of what was going on at the time. I know that um, Jen Wilkin warned in her Abide series through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John that uh, false teachers and prophets mm-hmm. rely upon you not under not having read it first of all, yeah. and not understanding the context behind it second of all. So, what can happen is I just was talking about this in a novel. A, a scripture was taken way out mm-hmm. of context, and if I didn't have any knowledge of that scripture, reading that novel, I would have been like, "That's in the Bible? Yeah. Like what? <laughs> you know?" Um, But if you know it, you're prepared and you can interpret it correctly Mm -hmm. and not feel threatened by Mm -hmm. that portion of scripture. So that's that's an excellent tip, Bethany. The other one came to mind is to read the letter all the way through first, Mm -hmm. um, as you would read a letter you receive or whatever format it's going to be in, um, as they would have. So you kind of get the idea without jumping right into, you know, we want you to get to the nitty gritty, but but, uh, do the big picture. Yeah. I think um, when I've studied epistles with groups of women. I know um, when we're doing like our Date Women of the Word studies, we, you know, print print out the text and everything, but it helps to go one more step to really take out all the chapter and verse numbers. And Uh. like, if you're doing it, obviously if you're studying it by yourself, it's, doesn't matter. Um, but if you're doing it with a group, it's helpful to at least put page numbers on the bottom. So <laughs> you can say, hey, this this verse that's on page two, like everybody can figure out what you're talking yeah. about since you've taken the verse numbers out. But I think that that really helps you tie, you don't like arbitrarily have the text broken up like whenever they added those breaks in Mm -hmm. does and it makes way more sense when you're reading it like that like oh these thoughts are just flowing continuously like when he was writing the letter like it's just paragraph and paragraph so I think that if you're able to kind of um, copy and paste the text into a document and take all that stuff out it really helps kind of seeing the flow yeah and if you take a lesson from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase the message um if you're trying to actually find a specific verse in the mm-hmm. paraphrase, it's really difficult. I mm-hmm. mean, 
I don't know, version tries to do it. But, um, you know, when you're going through that, it's easier just to say, to, to look at the scripture without someone else's divisions mm-hmm. and then say, okay, God, what are you saying? Mm-hmm. And how can I write that in my own words? Um, so Bethany, how does this style point us back to Christ and the gospel? Well, I mean... All scripture is God-breathed, like we kind of already mentioned, but I mean, the bulk of these epistles are written to believers, whether, you know, they were culturally Jewish or Gentile. So all of these epistles tie back to knowing that we believe in Christ and that Christ is who he said he is. And because of that, we can live and act in community based on our identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. So I think the presupposition in these epistles is that we agree that Christ is who he said he is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we live, live out the rest of our life in community in a fallen world, hoping for that and hope not in like, maybe this will happen, but hope in knowing that it will happen. Eventually he's coming back to Mm -hmm. finish what he started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of, these writers had been with Jesus. Yeah. And so they're the biggest clue for us, I don't know, perspective-wise about what it means to have been with Jesus and what it means to be with Jesus and, and what that means to live out mm-hmm. a Jesus-following life. Yeah. And um, so everything points to Jesus, but this is like – directly right after pointing, you know, so I, I yeah. don't know, it's greatest witness for me mm-hmm. of, of what the church is supposed to look like, you know, and what, mm-hmm. um, what it, what your, how your life changes after you experience Jesus. And, um, I don't know, just even thinking about Peter saying we can hasten his coming, um, by living holy lives. I mean, it's just crazy. That's in second Peter, uh, two or three. Um, but talking about when Jesus is coming back. So it's really a tiny sandwich between when Jesus was here and, (laughs) and, and when he's coming again in the Bible, if you're looking at the actual, but it's, you know, been well over 2000 years now. Um, John calls us that we're in the last hour. Um, but, it's been a long hour, in my opinion, <laughs> but not to God. So um, what's next for the listener? Where can they go resource-wise, Bethany, um, to expand on this topic? Well, I guess some of it kind of depends on how in the weeds you want to get. Um, there is a study um, that's called Seamless that is a nice, like, real basic overview. So if you're just getting started, it um, basically kind of – the premise is that you're understanding the Bible as one complete story. So instead of it being a study that focuses on one um, one portion of Scripture, it starts from the beginning and then um, winds up kind of working through it sort of um, by narrative style. Um, so that kind of 
correlates with what the season has a, has been about. Um, so that's a good good place for like new studiers. Um, I think that there are some good resources out there. Um, I had mentioned the book Interpreting the Pauline Epistles. Mm. That is a book that I borrowed from one of our pastors who's in seminary. So that's probably on the other end of the spectrum. Mm. But it was a really helpful um, kind of introduction. So I think if you're trying to get into the the challenge that I came across is that there was no one good reference about epistles in general because um, the really studied authors break it into, you know, Paul's epistles and then Peter's epistles. Um, so that might be a little bit of a challenge, but I would say, you know, just pick an epistle and then start doing the work to understand the historical context. Don't mm-hmm. feel like you have to do a bunch of pre-studying mm-hmm. about epistles before you jump in. Just mm-hmm. jump into scripture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're always about you just opening the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> we, c- we can create a lot of barriers for ourselves. Um, but in the words of Nike, just do it. Um, but we have lots of, um, I hope this podcast was helpful for you in just um, feeling less intimidated by them and um, feeling more prepared just by way of listening. So thank you, Bethany. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and listener, tell us all about your experience in the epistles after you listen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.